Welcome to the Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center, and the focus on this show is real change for better health, home, and community. This program is brought to you by the Homestead Education Center, a nonprofit organization located in Starkville, Mississippi. And we are so excited about our year of living locally. Our board of directors voted unanimously to focus all our efforts on keeping it local in 2020, which includes an education and action campaign that we're documenting on our blog at www.thehomesteadeducationcenter.org backslash news. We want you to follow along and replicate our successes in your community, wherever you are. And today, we're beginning by asking our local listeners to switch their social media icons to the Keep It Local one that's on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter pages for the month of February. And for all of our listeners everywhere, we are documenting all of our successes and some of our failures on our blog and on our website. So please follow along and start some of these initiatives in your community and then contact us because we'd love to help you in any way that we can. Before we begin new habits, we have to break some old habits. So this month we're beginning our campaign with a month-long spending fast. And that may sound counterintuitive. We're trying to shop and support local businesses, but we have to change our habits first. And by going on a spending fast for 29 days, we'll become very acutely aware of what we normally do with our money. So join us and follow along on the Facebook pages and Instagram and let us know how that goes for you. I've already prepared myself by buying some of the things I know I won't be able to buy in February before the end of the month. And I'm not sure that's quite the goal of this initiative, but we're doing the best we can and we're all learning as we go. So the month of February, we're buying nothing but essentials, food and maybe toilet paper. Let us know how you do on our Twitter at Ideal Podcast. And you'll have to get creative for Valentine's Day this year. And speaking of Valentine's, we all begin our families with the best of intentions. We fall in love, decide we'll only carry those good traditions forward from our past, and we'll never repeat the bad ones. We have kids, and then we find ourselves saying and doing the exact things we swore we wouldn't in our own families. Today's episode in our series, Coming Home to Heal, looks at how our family relations impact wellness and what we can do about it. Today's program is brought to you by our newest Keep It Locals partner, Elizabeth Cassano at Beauty Counter. Elizabeth is an independent consultant for a makeup and personal care product line that is EWG approved. EWG stands for Environmental Working Group, and it's an independent nonprofit that rates the safety of cleaning and personal care products. I have the app on my phone because I use it so often. And their endorsement is hard to get, but Beauty Counter is a company that was approved. If you're looking to make the switch to a healthy makeup, hair care, and child products, contact Elizabeth Cassano at the link in the show notes. I also love their packaging, which uses no plastic and completely degradable materials. Locally at the Homestead, we've got our Natural Health Expo coming up on February 8th with presentations on everything from self-care to mindfulness, mushrooms, aging well, physical fitness, managing stress, 
and hypnosis. For a full schedule, check out the website at www.thehomesteadcenter.org. This event is a zero waste event, so please remember to bring your water bottles. And it's taking place at Trinity Presbyterian Church since we outgrew our space last year. And we still have room in our Reiki training for nurses. While nurses get CEUs, it's open to anyone who wants to learn how to provide comfort to clients, patients, or just friends and family. You can find more information about the event at www.thehomesteadcenter.org backslash calendar. Also, if you're local, please change your social media icon to the Keep It Local image on our Facebook page for the month of February. It's another reminder to kick off our campaign. And if you're joining us from across the country or the globe, follow along and cheer us on. And now on with our show. Our guest today is a licensed professional counselor, Lynn Peterson. Lynn specializes in healing trauma. She's the co-author of a book with me on beating anxiety and depression for life. And you all heard from her in another podcast that is one of our most popular of all time. She's an all-around powerhouse of knowledge on how we hold and pass on big and little traumas through our family relationships, our stories, and our interactions. And I'm so glad she's made time in her busy schedule to join us today. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Allison. I'm so happy to be here. I, uh, I love everything that you do, and I'm always excited to be a part of it. Well, you help us a lot as a member of the board of directors, so I appreciate your help over the years. So Lynn, I have called you today because this is something we've kind of been dealing with. We read The Conscious Parent earlier in the year, and what we learned from that as an organization is that really, we pass on a lot of things unknowingly to our children. So in our series, Coming Home to Heal, we're trying to address all the factors that contribute to wellness inside the home. And families are a big part of that. Can you start by telling us how family interactions impact wellness? Uh, yes, yeah, so family is uh, the essential place that we learn about what life is like and what other people are like. So the more nurturing, uh, the more we feel seen and understood in our family and our home, um, the more we carry positive feelings about ourselves and about life and about other people out into the world. So if we are nurtured and supported as a young child, uh, our body is in a state of feeling relaxed, feeling safe. And so we go out with that calm, centered energy into the world. On the other hand, if we grow up in a chaotic environment where we're abused or neglected or mistreated, our system is in a flight or fight uh, mode already um, as we go into the world for every interaction. So um, it's so, so important uh, for us to have a family where we feel safe and we feel seen and understood. Um, but many of us didn't get that in varying degrees and that doesn't mean we're doomed forever <laughs> because there are many many things that we can do um, uh, make conscious efforts to heal ourselves and to um, change what we pass to the next generation that they don't have to start out with all those scars uh, like some of the rest of us did. Well, that is why I called you today. <laughs> I knew you knew this stuff just, you know, 
off the cuff and so deeply. We've been hearing a lot about how family interactions, past experiences, and even in utero states of the mother can impact child's development and even impact genes. Can you talk about how this happens? Uh, yes, and I'm not an expert on that. I do know a little bit about um, what we call epigenetics. Um, and that is the idea that, um, okay, our genes carry the certain information, but there are other factors in biochemistry that shapes the way that that DNA gets expressed. So certain traits can get turned on or turned off. Um, so the DNA is not just a fixed, unmalleable thing. You know, some of these studies were done on um, immigrants from other countries that had come from war-torn countries and looking at the DNA of their children who were born here and raised here. Uh, they still so show the genetic evidence of the traumas that were experienced by their parents and maybe grandparents and and who knows how many generations you know the trauma may go back I think it's important to realize that um, our DNA can be changed and that can be um, for the negative or for the positive so just as um, trauma can change its expression into anxiety or more prone to depression we can also through healing our mind and body um, change the expression of our DNA so that when we pass it to our children they are no longer predisposed to those things and that is just the most exciting research that's come out in the last 10 years we used to just say well that's my genes I'm stuck with it yeah you know, there we go. I want you to stop for a minute and just tell us about the difference between big T, as we call it, and little t. In I guess you call it that in counseling. Big T is major trauma, like um, you know, abuse or neglect or you know, some of those big things. But a lot of us still have impacts of what we call little t. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So many of us, you know, we didn't grow up in a war-torn country or we were never in a natural disaster or our parents didn't beat us or abuse us. Just through the interactions of day-to-day uh, -day life, um, we just may not have gotten some of the emotional nurture that we needed. Our culture doesn't uh, do a good job of teaching uh, us about emotions and how to process them and how to communicate with others about our wants and needs. And so um, we may not have uh, gotten certain things that we needed um, growing up. And also um, we've had a lot of experiences, a lot with clients, just how damaging um, relationships with people in middle school and high school can be. Um, because we, moving out of childhood, in childhood we're kind of in this blissful sort of unconsciousness, you know, we're just ourselves and we're not too worried about what other people think. But as we get into middle school and high school, we're starting to shape our perception of who we are and how other people see us. And so if we get teased a lot or um, we get ostracized, then we may develop a whole sense of ourselves that is not grounded in reality, but it's a, it's a trauma to us. It's a, a pain that we carry. And so kind of day-to-day -day things um, that increase our stress, uh, that make us feel isolated, 
uh, they can compound, and as we get older, they can really contribute to depression and anxiety. Um, but people will come in and say, I don't have any reason to feel this. You know, I had good parents. Nothing really bad's ever happened to me. So why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Um, and it can be because of the buildup of some of these little T traumas over the course of the life. So our family interactions is what I kind of want to talk about today because I feel like I cause my children little T's on a daily basis. Mm. Family interactions and our family stories, you know, what we carry about what we tell ourselves about ourselves, even as people and as a family, and even experiences before we were born can impact our health. How in the world do we start to combat those things? You talked a little bit about that, but I want to know what do we, where do we start? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is um, we have to start with compassion because we, it is just inevitable and it is so painful as a parent. I mean, just like you were saying, like, I know I, I can point to some big things. I know mistakes that I made where I know I inadvertently traumatized my child, but then I'm sure there's a lot of other things I'm doing that I'm not even aware of that my kids are probably perceiving in a different way from the way I'm intending, you know, that are probably causing problems that I don't, you know, that I don't anticipate. And, and we're all that way. And so we just have to understand that Every human being is going to have challenges and struggles, and we're going to pass on some not-so-great things to our kids, but we're going to also pass on some great things. And I think the greatest gift that you can pass on to your child is the example that you're willing to examine yourself, you're willing to grow and learn and become more conscious, you're willing to say, I'm sorry, and to listen, and to try to find out what their experience is and how um, to connect with them. And that you don't give up on that, that you keep trying. The biggest thing is having that willingness um, and that if the kids see that, if they see that willingness and they, and they feel that love that's there, um, it's going to be a buffer to a lot of these other little mistakes that we make or sometimes big mistakes that we make. So being compassionate to yourself, um, and then that compassion can spread to those around you, um, realizing that your kids may act out things like, they may say mean things to you, uh, they may hurt your feelings, and they're struggling too. And it's not personal to you, it's not because of something you did, it's just because they're human and just like you are. I think that willingness to grow and to examine yourself um, is, is just the biggest gift um, yeah. that you can help to create resilience resilience is the big one that we want our mm -hmm. kids to have but being willing to say I'm sorry is probably one of my biggest lessons as a parent yeah. and then how do we do it what do we do to start to heal ourselves because you can't heal your system until you heal you exactly so one of the things that I most highly recommend to everyone is to develop some kind of mindfulness practice ideally it's a daily practice if you want to use some kind of guided meditation I mean this is really a wonderful time if you're interested in mindfulness there's an explosion of apps that you can download um, there's all kinds of YouTube videos there's um, websites where you can go so you can find the kind of meditation or mindfulness practice that's going to click with you and taking that time to really connect with your physical body through your breath is one of the most simple and most powerful tools that you can use to really start um, a having that compassion having that curiosity 
about what's going on with you and learning to connect with your feelings um, and know what they are so that you're not just uh, becoming a sort of an automaton who's just going through life trying to get everything done. Um, that mindfulness time is a time to really notice yourself and what's going on with you. Um, so I think that's probably the single most powerful tool. And tell us a little bit about what happens in your brain when you practice this regularly in your body. Okay, so um, there's a, been a lot of research into this now about the, the benefits of this. Um, is this has a really deep calming effect in the brain so it helps us um, recover from all these stressors that kick us up into our fight-or-flight response triggers our vagus nerve which is the nerve that tells our body that hey everything's okay I can rest now and I can digest my food and I can relax and enjoy myself so that's an important benefit it's not just mental health it's physical health too um, that uh, they're finding it's really powerful. Yeah, for you know, I just thought mindfulness was such a waste of time. I had better things to do. I was busy. How could I sit there and do that for you know ten minutes a day? Mm-hmm. And what I discovered so curiously of not having any other options was that it allows me to catch that split second sometimes, not every time, mm-hmm. between when I want to react to my family and when yes. I actually open my mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I'm not able to do that if I'm not practicing. But it is like a going to the gym. I mean, if you're not doing it, you know, if you don't use those muscles, mm-hmm. they, they, they atrophy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> unfortunately. I do think it's a little different than exercise in that I do feel if you've established a good practice with that for a period of time, that if you slack off from it, you, you do lose some of the benefits, but not all of them, if that makes sense. I do think there's some residual with that more. Oh, you're right, because they showed uh, kids that went through an eight-week program maintain those benefits for six months to a year. Yeah. And surely they weren't practicing every day. Yeah. But it is powerful. I mean, it's very powerful. And I think what is so amazing is the science that's coming out behind it. And mm-hmm. it's just a very real, practical way that we can heal our family stories. Yes. So what else can we do to heal the stories that, so that we don't pass on our negative behaviors to our, our kids? Is there anything else you want to mention? Um, well, I've been talking a lot um, with several, I kind of get themes in my practice at different times. And right now, one of the themes I've really been having with clients is really becoming aware of um, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about the things that have happened to us. Mm. Um, And this is a specific type of therapy called narrative therapy. It's amazing how powerful our thoughts are in shaping how we feel and how we perceive the world. So anytime you find yourself in a negative train of thought, um, really stopping and questioning that and asking yourself, is this really true? Do I know that this is actually what's going on here? Um, And is there another story that I could tell myself about it that would have a more beneficial outcome? So if I'm telling myself, uh, oh, you know, nobody likes me. Um, My, the friends I have are just because my husband's so outgoing and everybody thinks he's funny. And so they just sort of accept me because I come along with him, Mm -hmm. right? So just stopping and telling yourself like, is this true? Is there another way that I could look at this? Well, you know, I have a lot of couple friends and usually 
if a couple's together, it's because they have something in common, there's something similar. You know, if my husband was attracted to me, well, then probably other people who like him also like me. So you don't have to, mm. so it's just little things like that where you're interpreting in a negative way. You can change the way you're thinking about it and change how you feel. It can physically change your physiology when you choose to take a, a positive outlook instead of a negative. That is so powerful. That reminds me of Byron Katie's work, and we worked on that at the Women's Retreat this year, of just saying, do, do I have absolute proof that that thought is true? Exactly. And what, who would I be without that thought? Let's mm-hmm. just flip just flip it and see. Just flip it and see. You know, the, the opposite of that thought of I'm never going to be healthy or I'm always going to be broke or, yeah. uh, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. Just just flip that thought and see how you feel and who would you be without it. It's a really powerful tool, but it takes practice oh, as well. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned Byron Katie because, she, she yeah, she has a great um, script for for changing thoughts like this and, mm-hmm. and she's got a lot of free resources on her website so um, that would be a really good place to start if you're wanting to look at um, becoming aware of some of these negative thoughts and understanding how you could choose to look at things instead yeah yeah it really you can you can really change the the reality mm-hmm. can you help us with our kids can you how do we help our children construct healthy stories yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, the earlier we start, the better. Um, I think one of the most powerful gifts you can give to your children is to l- help them learn how to sit with their feelings without trying to change the feelings, make them go away, make them bad or unacceptable, but just actually sit there and be with them and let them feel those feelings. Because the thing about feelings is that in a healthy cycle, the emotions come up and they kind of flood the body. And then if we sit with them, they will move along just like a cloud crossing the sky. Mm-hmm. But what we tend to do is if it's anger, we're afraid of it. We're afraid it's going to hurt us or someone else or the child. Um, if it's sadness, we want to protect our child from the sadness and we don't want them to have to feel it. So we try to get them to stop crying um, either by telling them to stop or by trying to distract them Um, so these uncomfortable feelings become taboo and when they become taboo um, we start stuffing them and instead of them passing across like a cloud across the sky like they normally would they start getting locked down in the body and then this is when those like the little t traumas like over time again and again having our feelings locked down instead of letting them release so if we can like you were saying you know and through our mindfulness practice we start developing that ability to pause before we react Mm -hmm. if we can pause for that moment and you know if we see our child's getting angry or we see that our child's having that sadness taking a deep breath and just trying to be present and stay with them and give them the message that it's okay for you to have feelings. Then if you can engage them to talk a little bit about those feelings um, or they may not be able to do that at that time, um, maybe later, you know, you can go back and say like, it seemed like you were really angry 
what made you angry about that the other piece is getting language for our feelings and how to talk about them with others um, so I think those are the two two of the biggest gifts learning to just sit with your child when they're uncomfortable um, and not feeling like you have to fix it or make it go away and then helping them learn how to talk and process. And for kids, it's gonna be very different. We don't need to have a 30 minute conversation. I think that's the other thing sometimes we forget <laughs> as parents, <laughs> like a 30 seconds of uh, talking about, well, what was that like? That, that may be all that they need, mm -hmm. you know? But just to have that acknowledged. Um, and then again, if you were a part of it, if you reacted, being able to say, I am sorry, you know? Yeah. That I wish, and and another thing I I um, read about an article that I love that um, I started doing with my kids when I think of it is um, to have a do over because um, if we've done something in a not so great way, we still like patterned that in our body. Our mm -hmm. body is like learned that that's how you do it. So if you can go through it again but do it a different way, you can change that. Uh, wiring so like I read a, this in this article the one was talking about her son would slam the door every day and she'd get mad at him every day and finally she was like but he's never like learned to close it softly so then <laughs> she would have him come back and like close it softly and practice that so that then that got patterned in his body instead and so then he he could do that automatically so um, it's the same thing with the the feelings you know <laughs> can we you know teach our child that when they're angry you know, to go back instead of throwing something, uh, go back and say, I'm angry, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have them do that or have them practice expressing the anger in a way that's not going to hurt anybody else, but, you know, they could pound on their toy or, you know, hit a pillow or something. Yeah, and even the way that we talk to each other to do do overs a lot. Um, yes. That was something that my husband and I learned is okay let me let me try that again I realized the yeah. way I said that was hurtful and and with our kids you know when they say the hurtful things mm -hmm. I've tried instead of just to pop off and react to say could you try saying that a different way that I could maybe hear it yeah and it it does you know the do-over it okay it gives you that pause like ooh, maybe I didn't say that the best way let me try that again mm-hmm what about improving overall interactions among our family members? What what do you see that, that works on, you know, you, you get some in some bad patterns as families where even like with our kids, they're teenagers now and the sarcastic joking that mm -hmm. always turns into somebody mad and hurt. Yeah. You know, how do we how do we change those things or, or what what systems do you see that that help overall interactions among families? Uh, I think one of the biggest things is having some even if it's just a short period of time, some time that's like a, a relaxing, connecting time for you guys. So I try to make a rule at dinner, no, no phones, and this is a time you know, to try to just have a conversation, relax. Um, we started doing a little, reading a little something from a Thich Nhat Hanh book before we eat. And um, I've just, and we light a candle, and it's like, it makes it a special, little moment together and it I, I've been surprised I mean I wanted to do it because I thought it would be good but I have been surprised really how it does change the atmosphere we read this little mindful piece and then there's like a relaxing into the moment like we slow down our eating a little bit more we have a little more conversation a little more joking 
So it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a three-hour family outing, Mm -hmm. um, but just making some little time. It might be right before bedtime um, that everybody sits in the living room, and if they're little, you're reading a book out loud, but, you know, if you're older, you could each have your own thing that you're reading or, um, you know, but just creating some relaxing time together uh, that doesn't really have a purpose, but except just to be together. Um, I think that can be important, um, a little ritual. One thing that can be helpful, I do a lot in my couples counseling, is we work on having like either a word or a hand signal that's just to let another person know like, oh, you just hurt my feelings, can we pause for a minute? So like, you could just have a word that you all agree on. Like, if somebody's sarcasm goes too far and hurts, you know, that you'll just say, ouch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when somebody says that, that's a reminder to everybody like, uh uh-oh, you know, we're doing this habitual thing and it doesn't feel good. Um, Or it can be, you know, a timeout signal. Mm -hmm. Like, and then then that's a moment to, oh, let's do this over again. Right, the the do-over, the practice of how we want to be treated and treat other people in our house. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? And will you tell people where they can find you if they need more intensive help, which most of us probably need? You are so smart and you have such a great wealth of information and I so appreciate you sharing the the, the highlights. But for most of us, it it takes practice. And, um, you know, we can practice that in our families, but sometimes you need some outside assistance. One of the hardest things in this, like, very fast-paced culture that we're in, really taking that time to have that little bit of affection of, you know, putting your hand on someone's back or um, uh, giving them a little hug or those kind of things that help us feel connected just in a short, simple way. Mm -hmm. Um, Smiling, making a conscious, you know, eye contact because, you know, we get into our phones and um, we're rushing around all the time trying to get lunches packed and all these things. So just taking that moment to look your child in the eye and smile at them or your partner, look them in the eye and smile at them. That is huge. I started doing that this year because I realized my kids kept saying, what's wrong? And I was like, well, nothing. I'm just busy. And so yeah. when they first thing in the morning, when I see each one of them, I stop what I'm doing. And I look at them and I smile. And then they think it, it, they're like, oh, she's OK. She's not mad. She's not, you know, I haven't done anything wrong. She's fine. And then they yes. can go about it. It has changed the whole dynamic. Yes, and it's amazing how, you know, just a little thing like that that takes 10, 20 seconds can transform the environment. Mm-hmm. So um, so looking for those little opportunities instead of thinking that you have to make some big, drastic, time-consuming change. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing, I think you told me this that has really helped with one of my sensitive teens is... I, he's very sensitive to criticism, and so mm-hmm. he sees it even when you're not giving it. Right. But I have realized that if I can start the first interaction I have with him, if I can compliment him on something that he's done, it mm-hmm. it just his defenses go down, and that doesn't yes. take long. It just takes no. being aware and conscious of it. Yes, and so that's another thing I do a lot in couples counseling is don't take these other people in your life for granted. Notice the nice things. Tell them what you appreciate. You know, a pre, you know, I love your sense of humor. It just brightens my day. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes 10 seconds to say that, but it creates that feeling of, of value in them and a connection between the two of you. So um, just being more conscious to tell other people what you appreciate and what you love about them instead of just assuming that they know, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. 
so some of those little things can really increase quality of life and um and I think the other thing just we are all this is messy it's a messy process and we're all uh struggling and doing the best we can and it's okay if you're not perfect I think it's it's the willingness um to keep trying and to keep experimenting uh, the desire to connect and and to be loving comes across to to um the people around you and that changes dna ultimately yes it does where can they uh, find you can i put your contact in the show notes if you want to see a little bit more about my counseling practice you can go to the psychology today therapist finder mm-hmm. and just type my name into the search engine lynn um, peterson lynn peterson in starkville and um my email is lynn peterson lpc at gmail.com and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking time with us, Lynn. You're you, welcome. You have, Thanks gosh, for asking girl, me to talk to you. You know so much about <laughs> this. It's just amazing to me. Oh, and thank thanks you. to all of our listeners for joining us, joining us today. If you learned something, please consider sharing this episode with someone who needs to hear it. And if you could take a minute to subscribe and review this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. As always, if you would like to support the work of the Homestead Education Center, you can do so on any of the podcast pages on our website for as little as a dollar a month. Have a great week.